Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Now, we are naturally drawn to the light. We talk a lot about the light on this program, being in the light, staying in the light, journey to the light, and yet ignoring or suppressing the shadow side might actually sabotage our journey, might slow us down, might bring obstacles into our path. Will Schneider, who is the author of the new novel Lucifer's Game, is here, and we'll be talking about the ebb and flow between light and shadow, and how we can elevate our balance, awaken ourselves for a greater awareness of spiritual wholeness. Are you ready to meet him? Will Schneider is a full-time writer living in the wine country of Sonoma County, north of San Francisco. Beautiful up there, by the way. An adventurer at heart and equally drawn to push the boundaries of the inner and the outer world. Will has spent decades deeply immersed in the study of various metaphysical traditions. Lucifer's Game is his first novel. Now, he's currently writing a sequel and preparing workshops and events focused on understanding the shadow and waking up to our presence. Find out more about Will and his work at lucifersgame.com. Will, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hey, thank you so much, Karen. It's so... uh such an honor to connect with you. I very much appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. Now, I am loving the book. And I, want, I, and I said to you before we went on the air, I get to read a lot of books, and I very often skim. And with you, I started skimming, and then I went back and started reading yeah. because it is delightful. Oh, um, and it's, I'm, so I'm loving it. I'd love to know a little about your journey, about who you are and how you got here and what inspired you to write Lucifer's Game. Yeah, well, let's see. So um, I guess I would say that uh, my story is, uh, you know, Karen, we're all kind of faded in different ways. And uh, in my case, I had this right from a very early age. I had this kind of needle in my compass was just sort of swinging, you know, the, the, the proverbial seeker in me mm. was, was hearing some deeper calling. And early on, you know, and so I went through the phase of my college days of, of reading all kinds of books on Eastern mysticism and uh, all the different paths and uh, ancient traditions. And eventually I found some some works that really called to me. And so I would say that really most of my adult life, my main focus has been uh, drawn to consciousness, just to the, I recognized early on that, that we're funny, 
an interesting species where, like, unlike other uh, species on the planet, our consciousness can it can be we can be more awake or more in a kind of waking sleep. You know, we can be up or down on that scale. And so, as I the more I explored that, the more it was just that was my path. You know, other people's paths are deep into meditations and this and that. For me, it was like in any given moment, uh, I can be more present, more awake in my body right here, right now. And it's a very slippery, very challenging, and very difficult state to maintain. But I've always felt that pull, you know, that, that it's like some part of my deeper nature is just pulling on the top of my head, lifting me up, you know? <laughs> does that make sense? It does. And I, yeah. and I know that, that you, as, a, as an adventurer, you are adventuring in, in nature. You're up in that beautiful part of Northern yeah. California. And maybe you're also a little bit of an inner adventurer, too. Well, that's, that's the thing. You know, it's like I've always been drawn to the edge. Um, and by that, I mean, like, I, I've, I've been pretty good athletically inclined. You know, I've always been very gifted in that way. So I've gone into a lot of edgy kinds of um, adventuresome stuff, you know, mountain climbing. And I go ocean kayaking along the wild Mendocino coast here where, you know, you go into the caves and you're with the the wild surf and it's crazy and, and also incredibly fun. Uh, but that same pull to the edge, that adventuresome streak, I had that same thing go inwardly, where it was like that same kind of wish to push my boundaries to see, you know, we're, we're really amazing creatures in the sense our spirit, there's really no end to the, the, the range of possibilities in terms of how deeply we can go into our true nature. Do you feel like the times we're living through now are times where more people are being called to push the edge, or is it only a, a few who are called to that edge? I think there's a... I, I, I never hold out that, that we'll ever have like a global awakening, mm-hmm. but I do feel as though uh, there's a gaining momentum. There's a... A kind of uh, uh, there's enough people that are being moved in 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 an evolving direction that uh, it seems to be increasing. And and now with the ability to connect, like what we're doing, you know, the, I I'm speaking with you. You're connected with this incredibly cool uh, network of of listeners. There's all these ways that we can touch each other and and kind of knit a, a network together. So I think it's I think there are two things are, are, that are happening simultaneously. One is the development towards the light, and the other is the development towards the dark, the shadow, and and that's probably the main motivation I had in writing my story. When, why don't you kind of set up 
as you, as you might want to set up Lucifer's game for us. There are big themes in this book, but it's handled with such a light touch. Very, it's funny and it's fun to read. How, can you set this up a little bit for us? Talk, yeah. maybe let us know what the book is about. Sure. So what happened, Karen? Um, I would say about three years ago, I got this really strong hit. It was like some message that came from a deep part of myself that that said, "Give something back." So it was like, "Wow!" I, you know, I, it was like a kind of a command. Mm. So I stood back and I thought, "Well, I've learned all these things over all these decades. There's so much I'd want to share that I think might be valuable to share with others." And I. I decided to choose this one area that I, I feel um, deserves attention. And it's that there's, it's kind of a weakness that I've seen on my own spiritual journey, and I've seen it with so many others. And it's that what we tend to do is um, when we consider ourselves a, a spiritual person is we naturally lean towards the light, which is you know, makes perfect sense. So what I mean by that is the, the image I create of myself <clears throat> is I'm, I'm loving, I'm truthful, I'm generous, I have integrity, and all, etc. Et and th- those are wonderful qualities, and certainly to be engendered. But what about that whole slice of my psyche that's very unspiritual? What am I doing with that part of myself? And what we do, just naturally, is we take what we don't accept of ourselves, what we have rejected, and we push it away. We push it down and out of sight, and we try to make it out of sight, out of mind, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. You know, it goes down into our unconscious, but it's not out of, it's out of sight, but it's not out of our psyche. And so... What that does, and this isn't something I'm making up, any good psychologist knows this, you know, it's called the shadow. And, and so what we end up doing is we create the split. There's, there's my rosy self-image of myself, and then there's this part that I've rejected and shoved down under, and I try to keep the, in the one and away from the other. And then what happens is that the shadow, when we least expect it, the unexplored shadow rises up and can just blow up someone's life. And I've I've just seen it too often, and it's very easy to see in others. I've seen it in, like, really great teachers and gurus who have gotten, you know, very evolved and halfway up the mountain, so to speak. And they take these disastrous falls from grace. Well, why is that? And what I've seen is because they haven't done their shadow work. And, and so I thought, you know, that's a really important piece. So that's what I did. I took a couple of years, and I just buried myself into, I've, I've always been a storyteller, so I didn't want to write yet one more self-help book, right? So I thought, well, I'll weave this into a tale, into a narrative, like a parable. And um, I'll create the message I want and weave the knowledge, just kind of 
pour everything I know into the story, weave it into the fabric and tapestry of the tale. And so the reader can be pulled along on an arguably interesting uh, storyline, but at the same time, <clears throat> there's a message there that can be extracted for those who want to get it about the light and the shadow. So I created a my Lucifer, it's important to note, is not, has no biblical religious connotations. He's not the, the, the demon who's trying to make us sin, right? So he's, he's devious, he's slippery, he's nefarious and, and manipulative. But he, in my story, he's the champion of our shadow realm. And he holds the torch for all the rejected parts that are buried in our unconscious. So that's what I did, is I, I wrote this tale and brought, brought the mes message forward, and that was my giving, you know, give something back. Well, this is, this is my gift. <laughs> I was surprised by, um, kind of drawn by, the way that Lucifer um, looks, the way that you describe Lucifer when he first appears to Jackson, who's the um, the other side um, yeah. of of the story. I One of the things that I was really struck by was how big you had made Lucifer appear. Can you say a little bit about how he looks when we first meet him, and why did you, why did you do that? <laughs> well, I wanted to... The, the fun thing about being an author is you can create anything you want. You know, you can create. And so I wanted to create a Lucifer who, who had a certain vibe. Uh, you know, in, in, in this case, he's kind of a, uh, a big, disheveled, um, loud, you know, he wears a real um, kind of flashing Aloha shirt. This all takes place in Hawaii. And so, um, you know, he's got a, a four-day scraggly beard, and um, that just that fit the, the, the boorish kind of uh, style that his personality is. And so um, that seemed like the perfect fit. What's interesting about him in that, in, with that physical appearance is that, to me, he's one of those people who you are... Uh, in public, so that he and Jackson have conversations in public places, and I, you can't help but look at him, and you also want to look away. And I thought it was a really interesting way of tapping into maybe the way that we are with our shadow self. We don't yeah. want to see it, and yet we can't look away. And even when it is, you know, knocking over drinks or interrupting people's weddings or doing the things that Lucifer is doing in the book, um, that it, mm, we we are embarrassed and attracted we're pulled toward it and we're like oh no this is terrible i shouldn't watch <laughs> yeah i can actually read you the paragraph that describes him oh like. yes please yeah okay so um this is jackson he's he's sitting on a jackson's my main character and he's he's sitting on a beach kind of enjoying himself and he's approached by this this uh strange looking guy and he's describing it to himself he says, I was able to visually take him in. He was a very large figure, by that I mean borderline obese, with a prodigious protruding belly. He reminded me of a bumper sticker I saw a few days on a car 
driven by a big woman with a sense of humor. It said, I'm in shape. Round is a shape. <laughs> Sitting atop his massive, curved shoulders rested a gargantuan head. Black hair with a mind of its own and a four-day beard growing with wild abandon gave him a scraggly look as though he had just fallen out of bed. An iconic earring dangled from his left earlobe on a two-inch chain. His eyes were concealed behind a pair of Maui Jim wraparound shades. And if Hawaiian shirts can be loud, the one he was sporting was screaming. His bad taste was made even more apparent by the clashing plaid of his baggy shorts. His fingers looked like Polish sausages, short and plump with thick tufts of hair between the knuckles. A large gold medallion <clears throat> hung from what little neck he had left, the oval disc almost lost in the matted forest of chest hair that spilled out of his half-button shirt. So that's a quick description. <laughs> Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and with that description, which is comical, we also see as he starts to interact with Jackson, it's not just here's a boorish guy, there's there's danger here, there's mystery here, there's oh, yeah. power here. And also, um, you know, he's he's coming he, he's very powerful. And he is the champion of our of the of the unconscious and he holds that ground very well you know he's not a, he defends the the shadow in each of us and he tries to keep us from ever discovering that part of ourselves as part of being unconscious so you know and he, he takes it all very seriously jackson uh, arrives on the scene we come into the book through we we are jackson in the book and and so Jackson arrives on the scene. He's hurt. He's suffered a staggering loss. Yeah. He's trying to kind of find his equilibrium as a as a writer and spiritual teacher of sorts. What is it about these two, Jackson and Lucifer, that kind of draw them to each other? Well, what it is is um, Jackson is the example of the if. He's a fairly evolved man. He's been working on himself for a long, long time. And so he spent all of his attention basically expanding his light side. And so he's really, uh, he's a very mindful person. He's developed his light, light qualities. But he's only given lip service to his shadow. And so Lucifer basically is... is being the, the champion of the shadow side, um, he's, he basically tells Jackson or in, in initially that um, he's there, he says, you know, every once in a while he wants to show up with, and, and have a, dis a dialogue with a person that he thinks kind of represents how humanity perceives the world at this point in history. And then he tells Jackson, so I want to pick your brain, and you, Jackson, can ask me anything you want. So uh, that's what it seems like what, what he's after, uh, that kind of exchange. What it turns out 
as the story develops, what's really happening is that Jackson got on Lucifer's radar, so to speak, because he's he's raising his consciousness because he's be, becoming more present. Uh, Lucifer's actually showing up to try to uh, reel him in and seduce him and and show him like start to bring up Jackson's shadow side that he's not in touch with. And so that's the dynamic between the two. That's the, the push and pull between the light and the shadow that, that generates the story. Now, they do have a discussion early on about the value of giving back, and you were talking about that earlier, your desire to give back. And yeah. Jackson talks about a friend of his who, who gives almost where the giving back becomes almost, almost compulsory. Do you feel, I, I have... I feel like I have become aware just in the years that I've been doing the work that I do, that there is a shadow side to the way we give back as well. And that even the good things we do and the generous things we do and the compassionate things we do can often have that shadow side. And I wonder if you can just speak into that a little bit, because it's more complicated than just let's do good things. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, often we have a hook. I'll do something but I'm, there's an expectation. I'm not, there's a difference between, um, it's like the difference, we can see it in the way that we love. There's, there's mostly the way we love is conditional. I'll love you if you'll love me. <laughs> yeah. And unconditional love, that's, that's a whole different level to be able to, to stand in that open heart, that Christ consciousness, that that place uh, of the of the awakened heart that is has no conditions to it. That's a that's such an amazing that's that's capable for for all of us, but that's very a very difficult place to evolve to. You know, it's a, it's a very high level, and so typically. We love conditionally. It's just natural, you know. And so I'd say that's true in what you're referring to. You know, we, t- we tend to have a hook. You know, it's like I'll give, but I kind of want something. Maybe it's I want to be acknowledged or maybe I want to be, you know, something. But it's lacking that unconditional quality to it. Is it bad that it lacks that unconditional quality? No, I, I don't. I don't think so at all. It's simply, see, that's the, that's really the important thing. I, I believe <clears throat> that when, when it comes to like the shadow mm-hmm. is to realize that there's nothing bad about it, right? We can't have, we're, we're dualistic creatures. We can, you can't have light without a shadow. It's just the way we're designed. I mean, just look outside on a sunny day Shadow is, a, is an aspect of light. They go together. The problem is when our shadow is unexplored, then it, it, it's, it's being, it just festers down there in the dark, and that's where the problems start occurring. So, um, you know, the, that's the, the premise of what I'm trying to bring forward is the value of 
coaxing our shadow side out of the out of the dark corners with with love and tenderness and kindness for ourselves so that we can become more whole and uh, and and create a new kind of balance within that's beautiful and that striving for balance that back and forth that give and take is yeah. very apparent it's i think it's brilliant that the book is written kind of as a as a conversation between the two because you can feel i could feel as a reader my uh, not my allegiance but my attention shifting with the different points depending on who's talking and depending on the point yeah. they're bringing and so it really brings up beautifully that balance between the light and the shadow. I know we're coming right up to the break. We've got just oh. just about it. I know, didn't it go fast? Wow, We've got, Zoom. <laughs> we've got just about a, just a minute left here. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and my guest is Will Schneider. His new book is Lucifer's Game. This book has one of the best uh, kind of subtitles of any that I've heard in a while. Lucifer's Game, you're playing it whether you know it or not. You can find out more about Will and his work at lucifersgame.com. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Will some more and we'll get more guidance about that interplay between light and shadow. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude! What happened to your face? I see one, two, Ow. three, four, five, six... Ow. Dude, what is Ow. this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. It's always nice to come home, but these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home, I'm home, and I love it, I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home, I'm home, where I be. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. 
lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you, the enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree, yes, is that one. The free-to-be-me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org, a public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Will Schneider. His new book is Lucifer's Game, and you can find out more about Will and his work at lucifersgame.com. And of course, I welcome your comments, your questions about the show. Is there something you're hearing today that makes you more interested in exploring your shadow side? Do you find that on your own spiritual journey, you might have relentlessly sought the light and fallen a little bit out of balance? I love hearing what you think of what you are hearing on today's show. You can always reach me via email. My email address is karen at karenhager.com. And of course, at karenhager.com, my website, you can find out who's coming up on the show and there's lots of other good stuff there for you. Well, we were talking about really digging into that dance, that balance between the shadow and the light. And I'm wondering how we can, as seekers, learn to look at our own shadow and to look at it, maybe dispassionately is the wrong word, but to try to look at it without the kind of attachment, oh no, here comes the shadow and it is bad or it is dark. Right. How can we learn to, to identify and look at our shadow? Yeah, that's a great question, Karen. And I think it's like probably the most important uh, realization to bring forward when doing and approaching the shadow of ourselves because what can happen if we're not careful is you know we all have an inner critic right and and spiritual people develop a spiritual inner critic i know i certainly have one it's the part of me that absorbs it wears the cloak of my spiritual knowledge and then judges me for how I'm failing at this and failing at that. And, you know, mm. it's not helpful. And so we want to be careful not to go into our uncovering our shadow side with that part of ourselves. Like make sure that the inner critic is not activated so that what we do bring is a light touch it's like, okay, you know, it's like a, a sense of curiosity. And, and again, you know, to contact our heart. And what we want to bring is, is uh, the, part, the parts of ourselves that are in our shadow are, have been rejected by us. Uh, the, you know, these are, these are traits that we have labeled bad, you know. Uh, and so... For, and each of us have different things shoved down there. It depends what our parents didn't allow us to experience. For example, this was not good. Okay, down it went into the shadow. We all had different upbringings. But the point is that um, the key is really the way that we, uh, that we enter that realm 
uh, and that is like, as I said, with like a, a, a light touch, with a curious way, with a little sense of humor, and and thereby, uh, and and forgiveness to to be able to bring those parts of ourselves that we have a lot of shame around, and. Uh, and slowly be able to uh, coach them out so we can, uh, then it's not a question of just looking at them dis- dispassionately. It's like, okay, my, uh, my jealousy, for example. I'm not a jealous person. Well, yes, I am. It's down there in my shadow, right? And so I have had this experience where I allowed, I found my jealousy I found where I was being jealous that I wasn't acknowledging. Then I feel it. It's like I allow it in. I taste it. I, I really allow it to emerge. And then it's like, okay, there's that part of myself. I get it. I feel you. And I, you're not going to run my life, but I'm no longer going to pretend you're not a part of me. And, and include you into my overall sense of myself. And that frees up so much energy, Karen. There's so much energy it takes to keep the lid screwed on all these parts of ourselves we're trying to disown. And one by one, we can, with the right touch, everyone's touch is going to be different, but, you know, to keep it, to keep it upbeat and, to, and, and with a forgiving nature, so much can be healed. And again, it's at the point, like the point of my book, is to be able to learn to stand between the two with our, with our awake presence, be able to hold our light and hold our shadow in a, in a new kind of, to, to heal the split and hold the two together, and this new balance creates an equilibrium that can then really move forward in terms of our own evolution. Otherwise, it's like we have these weights around our ankle that only let us go so far. And, you know, I mean, one thing I, I have come t- to look for in, in my own development is where am I kidding myself, hmm. right? Where am I kidding myself? If I'm not looking at this whole part of myself that's buried down below, then, you know, I'm kidding myself in that respect, and it's it's hindering my own growth. I know that you facilitate workshops and teach on this topic. Are, are people ever reluctant to look at the shadow side because they feel that it will be painful is there a confusion sometimes between looking at the shadow side and reliving old traumas bringing up uh old hurts are people reluctant or frightened a little bit sometimes of this i think yeah i mean that's why it's that's that's why things got shoved down there you know into the basement so to speak um and there's a lot of a lot of wounding and, and a lot of shame most of our shadow traits are just steeped in shame. Like, um, oh, I could take any number of my shadow traits and just, when I discovered them, I just saw that they were just, um, they were completely just soaked in shame. Like, um, I'll pull up another one. Um, so my friends who know me, 
everyone thinks of me as a generous person, right? Mm-hmm. And it's true. I'm kind of, I have, have a very generous nature. Yeah, well, what about my greedy streak, right? And I, I found it in my shadow, and sure enough, you know, it's, um, it's in there. And the, the interesting thing about each one of these shadow traits is that they have a gift to offer that can be unlocked. That's part of the beauty of bringing them out. Like, for example, my greed, you'd think, well, what could greed possibly have to offer, right? Well, when I really looked into it and, and saw at its core what it was actually trying to do was make sure I always have enough. But left to its own devices, it gets, you know, it overspills its boundaries and greed becomes taking too much, always, you know, taking, taking, taking. But at its, at its root, its impetus was to see that I ha- always had enough. So each one of these traits has something to offer. And so the more confidence we start to develop by unlocking one at a time very carefully and very lovingly, uh, we get more and more um, courage, I guess, to, to go into that realm. I know a lot of us who are um, healers, who uh, those of us who, as because we love other people, because we have a path of service, no matter what label yeah. we give to ourselves, we may help people um, create a safe space for them to look at some of this shadow stuff. And then as healers, we sometimes end up carrying that on top of our own unacknowledged um, burden that we carry i was really interested there's a place in the book where lucifer goes for a healing treatment and uh in hawaii and that i found that very strange and very moving and i wonder if you can speak into a little bit about that shadow side and how it affects the one being healed but also the one who is the healer and i'm putting healed and healer in kind of little quotation marks yeah so um so in the story, Lucifer, one of the reasons he's actually on one of the Hawaiian islands is there's a, a shaman that he allows to work on him. And there's only three people on earth that he allows anyone to work on, on, on him. And this woman, um, she's a, uh, basically what she does, he explains that when he takes human form, that his, you know, how there's our physical body, but then we have these these finer and finer bodies, like the etheric body, the the astral body. Uh, he has he runs so much negativity that all this negativity gets stuck in him, and it creates this kind of sticky, almost like tar-like substance. And she goes in and cleans that out of him. And uh, she does that because even though, she, you know, she despises him for who he is, uh, she does it because she knows if he doesn't get that removed, he just gets worse. And like Lucifer says, you're not someone I want to get overly negative. So the, I think to answer your question, it's like, um, I think that's really true for, 
were healers of all kinds, that you have to have a way to protect yourself. Um, I know people who do, you know, who are really exceptional. Uh, they do kind of shamanic uh, body work, that type of thing. And uh, th- there's ways, I think the, there's just certain key ways that you can protect your own field where you do the healing work, but you don't absorb the other person's stuff. Yeah. And that's a, there's an element of, uh, of consciousness development, I think a kind of awakeness that holds that field that keeps you from that happening. And there's, I know something that I see in my own work is that those of us who are listening to holding other people's stories, shining the light so that they can see some of the shadow and helping them work through it, if we are not aware of and processing our own shadow stuff, if I'm unaware of my own stuff and then I take your stuff and somebody else's stuff and somebody else's stuff, I am setting myself up for one honey of a catastrophe. (laughs) You got it, Karen. I think that's one of the one of the most important things when it comes to uh, wanting to help others. You know that that's a wonderful impetus, but it has to start with me, right? Uh, we each have to do our own work and make sure that um, that we're clean in in certain respects before we go out and and work with others and on others. I think that's really true. Now, Lucifer suggests in the book that he, um, when people are um, awake or aware, when they are realized, as you, as you say, that he spends extra effort trying to kind of tempt them back out of that, out of that realization. What is it that, when we wake up, what are we stepping into? What is that shift? And, and what is the role of the shadow even in that shift? You know, I think that uh, it's so fascinating that the, the, the importance, I think for anyone on the planet, it, it's of incredible value to, to, to do some kind of shadow work. But for people who are working on themselves and um, actually evolving, it's extremely important to manage the the side of ourselves that um, you know that's that's our dark side. Because otherwise, what happens? It's like we touched on earlier. You know, I know so. I unfortunately know so many very evolved. Uh, gurus and, and incredible teachers of various kinds that have all, in one way or another, taken these falls. Right? I mean, it can be it can be on a religious level too. That you know, the uh, the man of God who abuses altar boys, right? Or that it can take any number of different forms where there's this light-filled person that gets consumed by their shadow. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it's so crucial to be able, here's the thing for me, I've, I've never been one to chase after what, you know, was referred to as enlightenment. I've had moments 
of, of, of realization of some kinds. But what has always interested me is the concept of balance. Because we can be, when I'm balanced, then, then doors open up. And balance can take many different forms. But in the one we're talking about, to be able to balance our light with our shadow, to be able to, to heal that split and, and accept ourselves in, in you know, all of ourselves and integrate uh, what used to be split, that, that's such a healthy, uh, wonderful thing to do. Um, Scott Brown was on the show a few weeks ago, and he's the author of a book called Active Peace, and his premise is that the illusion of separateness, that idea of separation, is responsible for the violence that we do to ourselves and to each other. And one of the things that I feel in your book, and I'm feeling as I'm listening to you, is that call for integration, for healing, for wholeness, bringing everything together when we look at that idea of the the person of light who has the fall from grace we as people who watch tv and surf the web we gobble that stuff up that's i mean it's a guilty pleasure right there's a part of us that will you know knock over people to get to the place where we can watch someone fall from grace and yet we ignore the the bigger stuff that's going on the shadow we create through our own collective intention through all that we do it's interesting isn't it that we are so easily distracted and lucifer says that's one of his best um tools there no it's really true and and you know what um what's so interesting right now about uh what's happening in in the world in general and in america in particular just the collective shadow that's being stirred up right now just what's happening on the political front you know, not to get into a political conversation, but just what's coming to the surface is all this, like the collective shadow of the country, the the racism, all this stuff that's been kind of under underground is all bubbling up, and it, it's taking very strange and weird uh, avenues. Uh, the misogyny, the uh, the the fears and the hatreds, and you know, it's all unexplored, unexpressed shadow stuff. And the whole planet has the collective shadow. And so, you know, that's why, that's kind of my, that's when, it's, when I heard that uh, that message, you know, give something back, that's my message. It's like, yes, develop our light, absolutely. Become, you know, strengthen all of our light qualities. Uh, and yet... Don't kid ourselves, right? Like, really have the courage to, to own all, all of us in order to heal, to heal that split. It's, it's really the best thing we can be doing. For listeners who want to begin to gently start to peel back a little of that barrier yeah. that they may have built with their shadow side, what's the best way to begin to do that? You know, I would... Again, I would say with a very light touch, uh, there's like different steps that one could take just to kind of play around. Like, uh, for example, um, the first thing would be to 
confront the the distaste we have for the notion of something like a shadow trait, say our our something really powerful like our hatred, for example. Okay, uh, confront the the the, dis, the the distaste I have for the for that notion, and then expose the judgments that are projected onto others. You know, that's what we do. We can't see it in ourselves, so we we see it out in the world, mm-hmm. and we project that very thing that, uh, and, and we judge that out on on other people, and then admit the the negative connotations that are attached to that, and and to see that those interpretations are rigid and limited, and look to see where. I decided that these traits are are wrong or bad and be willing to then open my heart and forgive myself for that. And that's that's really the key. And then to be able to accept that dualistic view. Yes, I'm you know, I'm both. I'm 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 a light-filled being. That's my spiritual nature and I'm also I, I also have my human side. I'm full of foibles and full of of traits that, yeah, okay, so I'm not so proud of them, but they're a part of myself, right? And so it's it's just that that sense of inclusion and and lo- love of self and 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 forgiveness. I I think for me, I'm finding that so much of my spiritual path has to do with my ability to bring myself back to the present, no matter, because I go, I go to the future, I go to the past, I go to, you know, imaginary town, I go all over the place. Bringing myself back to the present is so important. And you're you're saying something really powerful here about how naming something, bringing it into the present, being willing to look at it calmly means that it is more likely to keep you from spinning off track in the in the future, it integrates it instead of building a secret clubhouse for it and trying to keep it under wraps. No, that's exactly right. And it's really, I think that the whole key is developing our sense of presence, like to wake up, right? In, in any given moment, I can actually kind of get out of my head and my chattering mind and, and I do the same thing. We all do. I'm projecting into the future. I'm thinking about the past. I'm anywhere, but I'm just on automatic when it comes to being in this moment. And it's that presence that can wake up and, 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 and light, light itself. That's the awakeness that we can bring to all of ourselves. That, that's the part of ourselves that, that is the doorway to our wholeness. And bringing all of ourselves into that present moment. That's what I receive when you talk about awake. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And that part of us can do that. that because it's not, it's not will, my old historical me, you know, based on all my lifetime, my database tells me who I am, right? That's not the same me that is there when I'm present. That part of me has no history. It's, a, it's an alive awakeness in this moment, and now this moment, and now this moment. You know, it's, it's, it just, it's, 
magical place in us that can that can hold all of it. Mm. Now, this is the part of the show where I would invite you to share your website, let listeners know how they can get in touch with you and what you've got coming up. Okay, great. So, um, so the book, I, I would say I love supporting local bookstores, Karen. So I'm in the computer system. So Lucifer's Game can be ordered through any bookstore. Um, also Amazon, of course, and there's a, a ebook version that makes it real easy to download. And then the website Lucifer'sGame.com is a is kind of a fun place. It explains a lot about the book. It tells some stuff about myself. There's also a blog blog posts by Jackson, my main character, very kind of thoughtful. Uh, uh, posts that deal with spirituality and then Lucifer because <laughs> I love to have humor Lucifer has like a Dear Abby column <laughs> where people write in Dear Lucifer you know here's my problem and then he gives his nefarious advice you know from the shadow world <laughs> so that's kind of a cool place to go um, and it's that's the website that will uh, I'll be posting where workshops are going to be and, and things like that. I, lo- I love it. Now you are, I know, working on a sequel. Can you say, just because yeah. I already want the next one. So. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. So the first, Lucifer's Game is about, you know, turning the tables of Lucifer's Game, turning the, the tables on him, mm-hmm. right, by... By, on the individual level, it's the shadow on the individual level. The second book I want to write is how Lucifer's game gets played out in relationship. Right? We're all either in a relationship, want to be in one, have been in one, and the shadow is constantly, whether we know it or not, it's impacting our relationships at, at, at such a high level. So that is what I want the second book to be about. And then the third book, I want a trilogy. I want it to be about the collective shadow. You know, it's like our our beautiful, fragile planet is being systematically destroyed by elements of this collective shadow, shadow you know, military-industrial complex, you know, the mega corporations chopping the forest down, etc. cetera. Um, so that's, those are the next two. Oh, my gosh. Will, thank you so much for being on the show. Great Great fun to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you. You're delightful. I'm delightful. Did you hear that, everybody? I am delightful. You are. (laughs) Thank you, Will, so much. Thank you. That is Will Schneider. His new book is Lucifer's Game, and you can find out more about Will and his work at lucifersgame.com. And really do check out Lucifer's um, advice blog because it's very funny. This is wonderful stuff, lucifersgame.com. And, of course, you can find out more about me and what I'm up to at karenhager.com, classes, events, private sessions. It's all there in a picture of me with makeup on to boot. And if you believe, as I do, that by sharing our collective intentions, we can turn the tide, we can create peace, we can bring peace to our hearts and peace to the world, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's where you'll find out about a free monthly guided meditation call that is designed to bring together people from all over the world to focus on peace and Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, 
I'm wishing you peace. Peace.